Welcome to Disability Talks, a podcast produced by Abilities in Motion. I'm your host, Shelley Hauser. Join us for real conversations and no-nonsense talk from everyday people with disabilities living their most independent everyday lives. Tune in for the latest news surrounding disability, accessibility, and independence, where conversations aren't dissed and stories that need to be told aren't missed. So let's talk. Thanks, folks, for joining Disability Talks. I am your host, Shelley Hauser. And today, my guest is Doug Goist. He is the Program Manager for Workforce Development at Insight in Virginia. He has worked with the Department of Defense and other military and federal agencies for the last 10 years. He has led a panel discussion with MIT and has spoken with Fortune about how COVID-19 is changing the workplace for persons with blindness. Rethinking employment options for us will affect 49 million Americans with disabilities. And Doug is here to discuss that today. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for being on the show. Shelly, I really appreciate your invitation. Um, it's always great to be able to spread the word on the importance of addressing disabilities, in this case, blindness. So um, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So we had connected maybe about a year ago and have stayed in touch. And the more I've dug into your history and your back, you've had an enormous background, quite extensive of all the work that you've done with military and federal agents and MIT and and so many more, which we'll get into soon. But I wanted to start basically from the very, very beginning when you were still a senior in high school and you had your sight, correct? That is correct. I, I did have my sight. And, um, and what happened then? Well, it's kind of like the cliched American normal, so-called normal upbringing. You know, I, I have a brother, sister, uh, parents, and we had two dogs and um, we're all very active. We're all career oriented as far as, as just, you know, doing the right things and progressing up and being a productive member of society. And uh, tied to that was our passion in sports. So frankly, my my father's our hero, really. He's he, he was an incredible athlete. He was an All-American football player drafted by the Detroit Lions. He, he never went. In fact, he's, he still owns his high school track record that has stood for 70 years. And his hurdles record stood for 50 years. But anyway, so he's our hero. So my brother and I and sister, we're all very active in sport. My brother and I were basketball players. His team was ranked first in the state. My team was ranked fifth. And uh, we're four years apart. But anyway, my senior year, I was playing four or five sports and I noticed I seemed to be getting worse from my junior year. So in baseball, that was, uh, I would, I couldn't see, I'd lose track of where the ball was in the air. It was under my feet. I didn't see it during a game runners around running around the bases, but I most noticed it in, in basketball. I, um, was colliding with my teammates. I w- was called out of bounds once and I, and I was looking at the ref like, what are you talking about? And I looked down at my foot and it was definitely out of bounds. So things like that were happening. And I, I thought I need to either see a brain specialist or something. So what exactly is your diagnosis with your loss of sight? It's um, it's a Inherited retinal degeneration called retinitis pigmentosa. Um, nor, a lot, I wouldn't say all of a lot of the times, but it's primarily there's a family member with it. My parents both happen to be carriers, which is one in apparently one in eighty 
8-0 people carry this recessive gene and they were both 1 in 80 and the, the chances of their child having it, it was 1 in 4 and I'm the third of three. So there's no, there's no treatment or a cure. So we all struggle as persons with disabilities, millions of us, with employment. And even though the ADA has been around for, what, 31 years this year, I think Title I of the ADA, which covers employment, really was the biggest part of the ADA that didn't stick. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's, I would. And I guess the good news is um, the fact that there's even an ADA at all. Um, It's been 31 years now. um, And frankly, um, as I was losing vision, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, wasn't even really on the radar. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely getting better, but obviously in the employment, um, area, uh, there's a lot of talk, obviously rightfully about diversity and, and equity and inclusion, but it, I hear it over and over and over again, when I, when I hear people using the, the, the list of kind of diversity measures, they kind of trail off when they get to disability. And sometimes it's not even addressed. It's, it's all of the other areas are addressed, but disability often gets left off and kind of we feel left out a little bit. I, and I agree with that because I recently talked to an agency that was looking for a disability and inclusion consultant. And when I brought up accessibility and disabilities, they were like, well, that's not what we meant. But it absolutely is. So what's the statistic of persons with disabilities that are employed versus unemployed in the United States? Do you have that statistic? I think it's a it's a good question. And I think it's a combination of all all of which you mentioned. So I think it's um, mostly a lack of awareness because um, honestly, when I, when I was fully sighted prior to my my diagnosis, I I I had no absolute no concept of what it was like to be blind or what it even meant or what people could do. So um, because I I never came across anyone or maybe if I did, I, I just never had the opportunity to, to interact with somebody. And then and that goes with other disabilities as well. So I think it's I think it's a comfort level that maybe some that that, that a hiring manager you know, they're, they're just trying to find the right person. And so nobody wants to feel uncomfortable. So if somebody comes in with a wheelchair or white cane or what have you, and they're not prepared to ask the questions that they ask everyone else, and they're afraid to say the wrong thing um, for fear of reprisal, potentially, I, I think that's there, that's where some of the hesitation is. And then the biggest hesitation, at least for blindness, is um, a real perceived lack of, of lack of um, a lowered, basically lowered expectation of somebody because preconceived in your mind, you're like, well, you're blind. I mean, how, how are you going to do this job without ever asking the person how they'll be able to do the job? It's written off. So where's that disconnect with employers versus persons with any kind of disability that can work? You know, some of us have master's degree, doctorate degrees. We worked for 10, 15, 20 years. 
Yeah, and it's obviously a case by case basis because <clears throat> I always make the point that I every everyone wants everyone and I think is good and 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 at heart in nature and they want to give people chances. Um, there may be cases where, um, frankly, they in the past they gave somebody an opportunity who didn't work out, or that person threatened maybe legal litigation. Um, maybe deservingly, maybe undeservingly, and they just don't, you know, they had, let's just say they had a bad experience with somebody. So that's why I know at Insight, when we talk with job candidates, it's like, um, you have to have this awareness going in that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're the um, pioneer here and, and potentially. So if they have a good experience with you, they're going to be way more open to hiring more people behind you. So, so it's both sides, you know? Right. Absolutely. So does your company insight help employers work through this challenge? We do. So, you know, our primary mission is we, we call it talent management, connecting corporate employers in the, you know, in the private sector with talented people who are visually impaired paired and blind. So on the corporate side, our corporate partners, so what we offer is we have a job board called Insight Connect that we have candidates and the resumes and profiles that we have there. And then we also offer them that conversation and that analysis of coming into their their companies and looking at their job positions. They may have employees with disabilities, blindness, or low vision. And we tell them we show them the little things, not the major things in most cases that they can do to help help that employee su- succeed. And then for our job candidates that they want to hire, we assist the company in onboarding that person, showing them exactly what they need, looking at their platforms and systems and, and saying, hey, this system could be... Um, adjusted a little bit. It's not very accessible the way it is. Or if it's totally accessible, we have that consulting piece of, of it as well. We we actually are working with companies actively right now doing assessments and feedback on their um, technologies, especially. From a candidate's perspective, how do you help them identify their disability on the resume and help them go through the interview proving their their quality of work without mentioning their disability since it's an off the table discussion at that point yeah you know that is probably the the biggest question mark that uh, i know i experienced it after vision loss because i point and clicked with a mouse my way through my resume and made it look pretty yeah <laughs> you know, and, and, and did all of the, the neat little, little things on it. And, and then when I lost vision, I'm like, I, I can do all of these, this video production work and all of these other things, but I can't really do that now. So um, what do I put on there? So my recommendation, at least personally, and I think it just in general insights attitude is that focus on the job position making sure that you are skilled with with each of the duties whatever requirements those are if it's microsoft office and you need you're you want an accounting job you better know accounting you better know excel 
and formulas. But as far as do I have a guide dog or I use a white cane or I use a screen reading technology, I don't think that's necessary for that resume because it you don't want to give a potential employer when you're competing against 100 other people, 50 or 30, you don't want to give that potential. It's not a negative, but it's just kind of a question mark in that in that hiring manager's mind. So at that point, it's it shouldn't be front and center of your disability. So when you get to the job interview, you know, we recommend that you put it out up front to the um, person interviewing you. You sit there, for instance, you walk in with a white cane, you sit down, I would say, look, I am visually impaired, obviously I'm blind. And I just wanted to allay any concerns you may have about how I'm able to do this position. Here's how I do work. And then kind of rattle off what you're able to do. And, and as long as you do that with confidence and positivity, I, I think that goes a long way. It sounds like what you're saying is maybe leading that conversation, even though technically it's off the table for the employer interviewing, but just let them know that you're confident and a capable candidate and, and then move on and lead by example. Absolutely, because if, if neither party addresses it, there's going to be that question of, well, I'm really not sure how that person can do a budget. But if you come in there and you say that I've been doing budgeting for family's business for two years, you know, and this is what I do with Excel and, and so forth, and you don't have to get into the details of exactly how your technology works, but it's that message of commanding respect and not kind of demanding respect. It's there, There's a definite difference between that and coming out empowered and positive is, it really goes a long way. I've seen with on various social media platforms that the younger generations, 20, early 30 generations, they're taking a lot of pride in their disability and with employment. And they're really just putting it out there flat on the table, dragging that elephant and shoving it out of the room. And it's quite impressive because I don't know about you, but I was in college when the ADA came out. So it's it's great to see that there's a lot more of pride and empowerment with the younger generations getting into the employment field. And I, I really hope that kind of pushes employers to become more comfortable in having that conversation and exploring adaptive of ways of of working with persons with disabilities on their staff because we are natural born problem solvers and you especially more so than me, I think that the world wasn't built for us necessarily in some ways, but we we figure a lot of things out. And I, I think maybe you having sight and then losing it later in life is much different than me being born the way I was, that you you had to get real creative in in learning to to get on with your cane or or whatever. And and that's one thing I wanted to talk about. You trained for your O and M. In, in Virginia, but before we started the conversation, you said you actually started learning some basic skills in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? I did learn uh, orientation, mobility, and frankly, adjustment to blindness um, back in Ohio where I live, but I, I took the, the training in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I just wanted to make um, people with disabilities who may be listening to this, especially people with vision impairment who may be losing vision, then I, I did not handle this very well. 
and I'm the first to admit it. I was very stubborn. I uh, was getting calls from this particular training center and I was ignoring them for two or three weeks because I just, I couldn't, I still had pretty good central vision. My peripheral vision was really going and I just did not want to be, I didn't want to accept that I would need a cane and so forth. So um, I finally just kind of kicked my, my own rear end and, and ended up um, going to this training, which ended up being four months in, in dormitory training, uh, ended up really loving it. Um, but I'll just give you a quick story of um, when things really kind of dawned on me when uh, it was one of my first mobility white cane trips and I still had a little bit of vision. So they would blindfold me, um, my mobility instructor, just to make sure. But I was, it was early morning and I was walking down the sidewalk and there was a person, uh, apparently he was around my age and he was kind of shaking his keys, but he was walking behind me and he was, I, he was headed obviously to his job. And um, because he, get, he jumped in the car next to me as I was walking on the sidewalk after he was walking behind me, but it, I had this panic attack because that was me only because I stopped driving like two years earlier. So um, that's when I realized that this was my new vehicle and then I'm not, I'm never going to be able to do that. So, um, so it was difficult at the beginning, but I honestly, I wish I had used a cane earlier because I have scars all over my shins from me being stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) They're warrior wounds. (laughs) Yeah. Oh dear. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was um, my my own um, perception of what other people thought of me. I, I cared way too much about that. And, and then uh, you just have to realize it's not what other people think are, is none of your business. And once you're able to do that, it's like, oh, I, I don't have to stress out about this. I growing up in, in the decades that I did, I can say that it wasn't cool to hang out with the, the disabled child in, in the school. So I had a lot of, I think, anxiety growing up. And it, it took me until almost 30 to just say, you know what, it's it's not my problem. It's your problem. And you need to either get over it or move on or whatever, or, or sit down and have a conversation with me and learn. Because one in four Americans have some sort of mental or physical disability, and it will find you eventually. So it's, it's, it's challenging. Do you feel, since obviously you've lived with your blindness for a couple of years, decades or whatever, do you feel you would be the same person today if you still had your sight? Or do you think you're better off that you've learned some good, valuable lessons? I think, um, well, yeah, it's, that's, that's, yeah. That's a, that's a brain twister just because I, I know that's not on the list because but but it's, it's something I thought of so how is it for you you know and and that's something that I, I definitely have thought of because when I went to that Pittsburgh back then I was skilled for the blind Pittsburgh vision services that was the first time I've been around people with vision impairment in, in a large group so people of all different walks of life and I was sitting at the lunch table I didn't know anyone. And there was an older gentleman and an older uh, woman sitting across from me, and he was an oxygen tent. Um, I guess you call it mishap, where he, he was—he never had vision, and he, and he said, "Wow, that must be really difficult 
that two years ago you were driving and now you're, you know, you're here. And I, I said, well, it is. And, and he said, yeah, it's interesting that people think just because I've never seen that I don't miss something like just because in other words, you, you don't miss what you never had. And he said, no, I, w- I want what everyone else has. So having been on, on the side of vision, in fact, I, I took a, it's a whole other story. I took a, uh, Euro rail trip around Europe to see all of the, the Sistine Chapel, the Colosseum, the Louvre, the art pieces all the way out to Budapest, Hungary, getting all of that information in visually before potentially I lost vision that, that now that I don't have vision, I think the positive is I am not obviously the person I don't think I I'm, would be the same person with vision because my goals were all different back then. I watched all of my friends really succeed and, and really kind of be titans you know, of the world as far as with their employment success and things like that. And I thought that was what was most important. Uh, whereas now I just, I just have this whole other perspective that, um, you know, doing things and getting things and acquiring things are not important. You know, as long as you're able to get one day further than you were in the past. So, and maybe Shelly, you've experienced this too. It's like, you don't, you don't always have good days. And a lot of times when you're getting into your, maybe some bad thinking is when you're, projecting the future that you should be at this point and you're not succeeding versus I found it help helpful to go, wow, this is where I was 15, 20 years ago. And this is where I am now. Look, look at the progress I've made from a point when I didn't think I could do anything or anyone would hire me or yeah, that, that type of thinking. So it's, I, I think, so it's a positive and negative that, that well, not really negative. I think the thing I miss out on most or just, just my memories of being able to jump in a car and, and opening the windows and taking off and, and going to the beach or, you know, and just, just without having to pre-plan. <laughs> so Doug, thank you so much for your time and attention and all this wonderful information. And to my listeners, thanks for listening in today. Be sure to join us next week on the 17th to listen to part two with Doug Goist. And be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Disability Talks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Disability Talks. Want to keep the conversation going? Then visit our website at abilitiesinmotion.org or connect with us on social media. And remember, don't dis my ability.